Hi, everyone. Welcome to your Hawks Insiders Thursday night in Safe Space. Uh, my name is Ashley Brown. Good to have you all back with us. Sorry about missing last week. It was, uh, in the words of Clarko, we were down a few soldiers, but we couldn't find uh, enough other soldiers to get it back going again. So we thank you for your forbearance. And uh, as I said, great to be back with you all tonight as we go through an eventful week or so, as most are. Selection was interesting. We'll get to that. Uh, do a very big deep dive very shortly ahead of the MCG game against Richmond on Saturday. Let me introduce my co-hosts uh, and my good friends and colleagues, starting with you, uh, back from uh, Northern Territory and his uh, stalking of Cyril Rioli, Andrew Weiss. Good evening. Thanks, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Very, very happy to be back contributing to the insiders can't say i'm happy to be back in general it was lovely being away for the week trekking in the northern territory um but yeah great to uh to be back amongst it amongst the brown and gold faithful and yeah looking forward to the weekend coming up so you're away for the melbourne game is that right I was away for the Melbourne game. And when did you lit- find out the results? Did you uh, did you have special emissaries bring you score updates? As you, did you trek or was it like a few days later? So we literally had no reception except at the top of a number of the mountains that we were trekking on. Um, one of the guys with Optus actually managed to get reception. So it was late on Monday afternoon. I just got given notification that we'd lost by 10 points. Uh, and that that had me pretty pretty happy and pretty upbeat, thinking about the fact that um, obviously we weren't blown away by the D's. Obviously, then when you when you read about it and look at the score at three quarter time and get unpack it a bit more, it's it's a bit of a different story. But um, yeah, it's funny because a few years ago when I trekked Kokoda, I had no reception either. And the moment I came back into reception was the moment I found out that Chin- Chad Wingard had been traded to us. So, uh, yeah, a couple of uh, good moments like that. But as I said, happy to be back, happy to be amongst it and looking forward to seeing how we go on, on Saturday. I'll have to tell Hachi that uh, it's very disappointing that Trade Radio uh, cannot be listened to in the wilds of uh, Kokoda. We'll have to do something about that uh, in the future. Darren Levine, hello. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Glad to be here. Brad Klobansky, hello, Brad. Evening, all. Looking forward to this evening. Oh, the sight screen. You're pushing off it already, I can see, Brad. It's going to be a very eventful hour or so. And Danny Prince, the voice of reason. Good evening. Hi, Ash. I'm actually disappointed that um, Brad doesn't sound angry to start. I was hoping he'd come off sounding ragey so give me some time build. yeah just build it mate build it that's what we're here for it's uh <laughs> no, brad's got plenty to be disgruntled about and brad does disgruntlement more than anybody so uh, better than anybody so uh, we look forward to chatting um as always uh and simon morrow which will be a bit later when his futsal game finishes so we'll get a full progress report on his futsal team and uh, his views on the hawks as well as always this is a conversation that hopefully will involve just more than five or six of us if you've got a question observation uh, make a request to speak. We'll get you on. I think last time we had here, we had this, uh, this clown intruder. Daz, is that right? Last time? It was the last time we did. 
Jeez, that felt like a long time ago, but I'm, <laughs> I'm on the watch. Don't worry. Yes, you're, you're vetting and Google searching and LinkedIning everybody who's trying to speak. <laughs> so uh, you're, uh, you're a research guy. So, uh, with, no, seriously, we want to hear from as many people as we can tonight. It's been a couple of weeks and lots to talk about. Maybe even go back and talk about the Melbourne game as well. So um, we will start off with the – firstly, and thanks for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, 50 bucks a season for your uh, ongoing support. We much appreciate it. Let's talk about, uh, let's just go back briefly to talk about um, the other night, uh, five nights ago at Marvel Stadium, Hawthorne going down to Essendon. It was one of those games where you felt that if the Hawks could ever get to five goals in front, they probably would get the win. Talking to a couple of Essendon people I know in the last couple of days, they felt the same thing. They thought it would be game over. Once it got to five goals, the Hawks couldn't do it uh, and were pretty much run over in the second half by an Essendon team that still had a lot of very good players in it. So even though they had the uh, the chaos of the five uh, withdrawals, it was still a good win by them. We actually had this uh, we had a bit of an argument in our Hawks Insiders group discussing this game on our WhatsApp group because I said any time a team loses five players in the 24 hours before a game, that is chaos. And then to emerge from that from, with a win, is a good win. Darren, you were the voice. Uh, you, you, you didn't agree with that at all. Well, quite frankly, I thought the whole Miracle at Marvel hot takes were just absolutely ridiculous. They had Alec Waterman, Sam Durham, Jake Kelly, Matt Guelphie and Jordan Ridley out. Um, and I know they were laid out and, you know, obviously that throws a team off balance. But they've got a pretty good team that made finals last year. We had a lot of outs as well. And I'm, I'm glad that Cameron Ling was the voice of reason this week. First time I've ever agreed with Cameron Ling in my life. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just didn't think it was there was anything miraculous about that at all. Uh, Andrew, what was the good out of the game? Won't take you too long. No, well, I feel like I'm being set up here with Brad, just getting set to come off the long run. But, um. Yeah, obviously it was really good as Daz just said that Matt Guelphie didn't play because, you know, he would have torn us to shreds. But no, no, there were a few things I picked up. Obviously, um, a lot of our players played better football in the first half than the second half. So we start with John Newcomb's first half of football, which is as good as any individual first half of football we've seen certainly this season from any of our players. He was on fire. Um, it obviously, is something that we can all be very, very excited about in terms of him and his future. Um, so he definitely fits into the good. Um, a couple more, Jager O'Meara's best game of the season, and I'm the first to put my hand up to acknowledge that, given that I'm a serial Jager basher. I don't think it necessarily... Um, changes anything in terms of their long-term opinion of what he's doing and, and giving back. But in terms of as an individual, I felt like especially in the last quarter and, and Brad certainly gone on about it every week, like where are our senior players, where are our leaders, who's standing up when we, when we need them. And Jake is the only one that really worked hard to do that. So, so his performance was good. Just a couple of other quick ones. Max Lynch pre-concussion. Um, he dominated Draper. It was an absolute domination and Draper's the next best thing. Um, 
if Lynch doesn't go down, I actually think we win the game. Um, and and the level of dom- domination was similar. It had an eerie feel to Ned Reeves through the first quarter um, against the Cats pre-injury, where it was um, he was he was almost the most influential player on the ground, in my opinion, certainly in the first quarter, but um, significantly in the first half. And then the only other one, just a little bit um, more off off centre, I think, is is Dylan Moore continuing to play as well as he plays. He had over 20 possessions, I think 11 marks and a goal, um, and interestingly played 75%. Or his, his heat map showed us that 75% of his game was in the defensive half, um, but still managing to hit the scoreboard, have score involvements, again, highlights his work rate. And I think with, with Titch out, we might see him um, get some game time on the ball, so uh, I'm sure. I'm sure as we move to Brad, he'll probably think that I'm just uh, reaching a little bit. But they're my they're my main goods to take out of the game. I'm off of the bads now. Yeah, but Brad, uh, I just want to tell everyone to take a load off, make a cup of tea, sit back, <laughs> relax for the next twenty or so minutes as Brad goes point by point through the bad. I won't take too long, but we'll start with the back line. Conceded 108 points. The worst game our back line's played all season. Worse than the St Kilda game, which was due to our midfield getting absolutely hammered. But our back line was an absolute disgrace on Saturday night. No structure. Uh, Essendon's forward line was made up of uh, Benny Hobbs, Nick Martin, Braden Ham. Uh, Aaron Francis played down there. Peter Wright kicked six goals. Frosty copped an absolute bath. Sicily as his game, first game of uh, as uh, skipper, deplorable. You've just got to watch his set shot for goal. I think it was in the second quarter. Laconic, lazy, just looked as if he didn't care. He didn't want to be out there. Looked like he was playing park uh, footy. Midfield, terrible again. Other than Newcomb and O'Meara, not one other player had more than 20 touches in our midfield. Tommy Mitchell, who I know for a fact played the game with the flu, Shouldn't have been out there. He had 14 touches for the match, one in the last quarter. And there'll be a lot of Hawthorne supporters who'll say, oh, he was very brave after being out there. He was one of the main reasons why we lost that game on Saturday night. He shouldn't have played. The forward line against an Essendon back line without Ridley, who's their best defender. Their fullback was Braden Zerk Thatcher. We kicked 11 goals for the match. Jack Gunston, as a leader, continues to disappoint with his kicking for goal. He's getting to the opportunities. He is kicking one or two goals a game. But as a leader, he continues to miss set shots for goal when we are in good positions. He did it against Sydney. He did it again just before halftime on Saturday night. He kicked two goals, four. Three of those were easy set shots for goal. Luke Bruce is another one. Disappointing season doesn't do enough in the game, doesn't get enough of the ball. He's really struggling. I won't be surprised if he gets managed in the next few weeks. Sammy seems to be managing a lot of the players lately. Tom Mitchell is not managed. He's sick, so he can't play this week because he shouldn't have played last week and he hasn't uh, recovered. Uh, The Ruck, again, Maxi Lynch cops a knock in the third quarter. Weesey touched on it. Everything went downhill. Ran out of legs in the Sydney game. He went off. Jackson Callow was forced to play a lot in the ruck. 
Connor Nash is going to have to play in the ruck this Saturday, which I'm sure we'll touch on. We come up against Nankervis and Soldo, a full-strength Richmond side, so that's going to be fun. Overall, in my opinion, don't care where we're rebuilding side, we're a young side. That was a very disappointing loss and a loss we should not have had. I agree with you, a disappointing loss. I agree with you about Sicily. We talked about this on the... Um... Player ratings podcast. I was bitterly disappointed with that kick for goal. It, just, it was an attitudinal. Where I was sitting, it was very close to that shot. It was an attitudinal uh, thing as much as anything. Just to put no care into the set shot kicking for someone who used to be a, a key forward uh, going up playing as a forward. It was a very ordinary uh, kick for goal and certainly uh, set the mood. Uh, Max Lynch had a great first half. Although he, he faded a bit in the third quarter, but not having him on the ground for Sydney for part of the toward the end of the third and all of the la- and most of the last made a huge difference. I thought um, to the tone of the game. So yeah, very a, a very disappointing night. It's been, uh, um, and I think you could tell from Sam Mitchell's demeanour post game that uh, I think he uh, might have been disappointed. I don't know whether he gave him the David Noble sort of spray uh, there, Danny. Um, but I got the impression from watching the post-match presser that uh, Sammy wasn't pleased and he might have exchanged the sternest words with the playing group that he might have so far in his brief time as coach. Yeah, and so he should have. Um, they deserve both barrels, to be honest. They were they were pretty shocking. And, you know, I think we, we talked about in our WhatsApp group, there was a bit of back and forth. Uh, and Brad is right. Like, it was a really disappointing loss. I think, I think it's probably a reflection, actually, of of where we are as a team in um, in this stage of the rebuild, but that doesn't make it any less disappointing or any easier to swallow because um, the game was there to be won, and it was attitude and execution of skills that stopped us from winning it. Uh, nothing, nothing more, nothing less. So uh, that was the most disappointing thing. You could kind of see from the first couple of minutes when they were missing kicks and. Just a bit reactive, um, not attacking the ball or the man with the ball as hard as they should have. That something was a bit off, and uh, and we just never really recovered. So yeah, it was disappointing, really, really flat. Yeah, certainly developing teams. I mean, it's an excuse sometimes. Excuse when you're playing Melbourne and you can't quite uh, bridge the gap, but it's not really an excuse against the team that the team that Essen put out on the park on on Saturday night. Developing teams when you're close to five goals up, you should be able to. And there were still enough awful good players out there. Uh, to control the game, uh, which they weren't able to do. Hence the results, which in the end was probably a few Hawthorne people would quibble that in the end it was a deserved win to Essendon. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's go around quickly for your votes, starting with you, Weezy. Uh, yes, I gave three votes to Jai Newcomb. Uh, I gave two votes to Jack Scrimshaw. I thought he did very well. Um, all things considered, and didn't really have a one vote. Uh, can I get back to you on it? Team effort. Um, Darren, I'm going to go three to Newcomb, uh, two votes to Dylan Moore, and then I'm going to give Jager a, a vote just for for being that senior player that stood up for us. Bradley? Uh, three to Jai, and I know I mentioned this on Saturday night in our group. The fact that he is now our best midfielder and probably 
our second best player behind Sicily, in my opinion, is a worry. I'm glad he's we've managed to pick him up, but he's polled votes probably in, at every game and would probably be, if not, you know, second, he'd be, you know, leading or second in our best and fairest. Two votes to Jager. I thought it was his best game so far this season. Daz touched on it. As a leader, he was the only one that stood up and went all game, you know, tried his guts out. And one vote uh, to uh, Dylan Moore, who had another solid game, 20 touches and a goal, 11 marks. He was our best performed, I guess, you know, forward, half forward on the night. Benny? My votes are exactly the same as Brad's, which is a bit disappointing for variety's sake. But um, <laughs> I, I'll give honourable mentions to uh, Jack Scrimshaw. And I actually thought Finn McGuinness had a pretty decent game as well. I... Um, I do a five, four, three, two, one every week, and uh, I gave him two and Scrimshaw one in the uh, out of those top five. I thought he was really good, and his effectiveness by foot was much better this week too. I think hovering at around seventy-five percent disposal efficiency. So, yeah, they're my honourable mentions. Very good. Uh, so that puts a not a red bow on that SV game, but maybe a black bow or something. We uh, we shall try not to discuss it. Ever again, although the uh, Marvel Stadium fan experience, we'd like to talk about that. It's the first game at Marvel for the year. It's a construction site now, a big construction fence around parts of it. A couple of the gates aren't there anymore, but it was easy enough to get into and out of. Um, that big scoreboard behind both goals is not as sexy as Bill McLaughlin would like you to think it is, and uh, the food situation was okay. Uh, that is the fan experience. It was not a big Hawthorne crowd there in the AFL members where I was. It was probably half and half, but only a couple of pockets being an Essendon home game everywhere else. And they were typically obnoxious the longer the game went on. And uh, the sensible people made a hasty retreat about five minutes ago and caught the early train. So that's about summing up the fan experience. I think I'm the only one of us who actually was there. So uh, I won't defer to anybody for a second opinion. On to this week. It is Hawthorne v Richmond. Hawthorne is the home team this week. Believe it or not, after this, there are only two more Hawthorne home games at MCG for the entire season. So that isn't something that I don't think the club... I guess I like to play MCG games early. But um, it is disappointing that uh, they play so many so early. Uh, I'll do my best Thursday night um, league teams. I'll read the team for the back line and then we will discuss it as a group. And as I said uh, earlier, love to get some feedback from some of you who are joining us tonight as your views on the team. Um, so from the back line, it is Sicily, Frost, Will Day, halfbacks, Impey, Scrimshaw, Blake Hardwick, centerline, Nash, Newcomb, Morrison, halfwards, O'Meara, Gunston, Bruce, forwards, Wingard, Lewis, Sam Butler in for his debut, wing, Will Day's Famous number 30 jumper. Max Lynch is a rack. Bramble and Warple ran at the followers. Interchange, uh, Denver, Granger, Barras, Jacob Kaczynski, Finn McGinnis and Dylan Moore. Burdens, emergencies are Liam Shields, Kyle Hardigan, Connor McDonald, even though he's been managed. Dan, the man, Howe in Wingard for his 200th game. Connor Nash, Mitch Lewis, and as we said, Sam Butler for his first. Connor McDonald being managed. Jackson Callow omitted. Josh Ward omitted, which I think we'll discuss. Liam Shields, as the media sub, omitted, didn't play last week. And Tom Mitchell being managed, interpreted in some other quarters. Um, Brad, we'll start with you as our selection dissection guru. Interpreted in some quarters 
as uh, not being dropped, but otherwise being dropped. Mitchell? Yes. Yeah, no, definitely not dropped. He's sick. He hasn't been able to train this week. As I mentioned, he played the game incredibly ill on Saturday night, and he shouldn't have, and he hasn't trained at all this week. So that's why he's not playing. Uh, selection this week, uh, James Warple should buy a lottery uh, ticket. He's extremely lucky Tom Mitchell is not playing, as he would not be playing. It's great to see Butler getting a debut. He deserves it. Quincy will touch on him shortly. I think uh, Liam Shields is quite stiff. He was best on ground for Box Hill. I thought Warple deserved to be dropped and Shields deserves to be playing this week. Ward has definitely been dropped. I know there are a few Hawk supporters who believe he's being uh, managed, but he's not. He was managed two weeks ago and he uh, was very disappointing on Saturday night. Another one I mentioned in our group. That was the game where we really, I really thought he would stand up and have 20-plus touches. He just couldn't get in the game. Uh, he really struggled with the pace of the game and his skills weren't great. So it'd be good for him and McDonald to go back to Box Hill, play four games on the ball. They'll probably each have 30-plus touches, which will be good, but they'll spend at least... Uh, Ward will spend at least two weeks at Box Hill. McDonald may come back. He has looked the better of the two this season. Uh, I did say that Callow would lose his spot, and unfortunately he has. He showed some all right signs, but he's not up to the level as yet. Be great to have Lewis back in the side. Uh, but overall, the changes, yeah, are expected. Wingard comes back, which is good. Connor Nash will come back. Hopefully, he doesn't play in the ruck. He might have to because we're coming up against Nan Kerbis and Soldo. And as we know, Maxi Lynch, unfortunately, can't ruck a full game. So uh, when we give our tips, unfortunately, this week is going to be incredibly painful for us as Richmond are at full strength other than their first-year player in Josh Gipskis, who's going to be an absolute star. Who's not playing, by the way. Who's not playing. He's their only out for the, from their best 22. So, and Shane Edwards being managed. Yeah, yeah, but they get Prestia back and they get Vlosten back. And Dusty obviously played last week. Looked like he had a Mr. Beat. Our back line this week is going to be under the pump with Lynch, Rewalt. Dusty spends more time forward. Kane Lambert's a very good player. Shea Bolton will spend a lot of time forward and arresting Ruckman, either Nankervis or Soldo. So good luck with our midfield this week. Warple will be starting in the midfield with O'Meara and Newcomb. So God help our back line when our starting midfielders in Newcomb and O'Meara <laughs> don't put Warple ah, in there. Because Warple's playing Warple's on his last chance this week. And what will happen is he'll play well. He'll probably have 25 and kick a goal. But when Tom Mitchell returns next week and Warple goes and plays that half-forward role that he doesn't know how to play, we're all going to get angry again. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and, by, Danny, and by we, Ash, and by we, Ash, Brad means himself. You know what's up. Correct. Correct. All game. All game. Um, Danny, I'm going to get to you in a sec. I've got I've, your homework in 30 seconds is to... Explain how the forward line should structure up now that we actually have, I think, for the first time this year, Kostiski and Lewis and Gunston and Wingard and Butler all sort of in the same team. So make some notes for 30 seconds. But I want to, on Wingard, uh, Weesey and Darren, uh, either of you, should he play more? Should he, is this a week to unleash Wingard in the midfield? Yeah, well, I think with the number of mids we've got coming out of the team, I, I agree totally with Brad that we will see Warps play 
close to a full game in in the middle. Um, I, I've been very steadfast that Chad's best position for us is playing through the middle and his last five or six games at the end of last season where he played 60-40 through the middle, not the other way around, were incredible. I understand that his body might not be up to it, but if his body's not up to it and fails him, then he's not going to be playing and that's fine. It's worth the risk because he hasn't contributed enough as a full-time forward. I think he has to get midfield minutes. I'd love to see more rotated through the midfield this week as well. But unlike Brad, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see Warple play a full game um, and be able to just concentrate on the role that he actually loves. Daz, we got... Yeah, look, I think I'd love to see him in the midfield as much as we see, but I just think his body's not up to it. And he's played a lot of stop-start footy, didn't have much of a preseason. Chucking him in the midfield is just a recipe for disaster and they're, they're not going to do it. So it's going to have to be Chad in the forward line until he gets his body right. Righto, Danny, tell us, you've got two, two tasks. Uh, talk us through, the, give us the, the scouting report on Sam Butler. And how would you set up Hawthorne's forward half, given that they actually has most of the options that uh, Sam Mitchell uh, would have available are going to be playing this week? So uh, Sam Butler is um, an extremely creative and incredibly quick um, high half forward um, who has the potential to develop into a really exciting quick midfielder. Um, I would say if you look at the way his older brother Dan Butler plays, minus the squibbing for free kicks, <laughs> that's a, a good summation of <laughs> Sam Butler as a player. He enjoys a, a chase down tackle um, as much as anybody uh, and can really light it up and, and, and give you a few of those highlight worthy plays that maybe some of our other midfielders don't really do as much. So, um, I think I think for the first couple of years, year or two, we'll see him almost exclusively on a half forward flank, playing a little bit like the Dylan Moore type role, up onto a wing a little bit, um, but not so much through the through the middle itself. Um, but I think eventually he probably lands as a bit of a midfielder, or at least a midfield rotation, uh, and that leads him well to the to that forward setup and how how we set up on Saturday. I think it's exciting for Mitchell and for David Hale to have all of his chess pieces on the board at, at one time for the first time this year. Um, and having Kazitsky and Lewis play together um, is, is going to be exciting too. Uh, Lewis obviously started the season um, fantastically well. And then Kozzi's come in and I think kicked nine goals in three weeks without missing one yet. So um, having them both in the same side gives us options. And I think our forward line last week against the Bombers looked really rudderless without Mitch Lewis. So having him come in and straighten us up a little bit um, by presenting at the ball carrier and also crashing a few packs as he was at the start of the year will be really good. I think it also frees up um, Gunston and takes a bit of pressure off him, allows him to be the third tall, which he excels at. Um, he has in the past been able to play that second tall forward, but I don't. I just think with his body on the way down, um, he he probably just doesn't have that in him anymore, and he needs to play that third tall role to be effective. Um, and then we just have we fill the rest of the forward fifty with uh, small, so Bruce. 
um, Wingard, and I'm I'm with um, Weesey. I I actually think just bite the bullet and play him as much as you can through the midfield this week because we just don't have the midfield options to compete with the Tigers. But when he's not playing in midfield, obviously he's going to be resting in the forward forward pocket uh, along with uh, Bruce and Moore and guys like that that'll roll through so I think that's kind of how we line up and um, is it enough to kick a score against uh, against the Tigers well I think it is actually if we can get decent enough service into them I think the issue is definitely not in our forward line it's in our in our midfield unit uh, as we knew at the start of the year and we continue to be proven right there are two problems the Hawthorne forward line last week and actually within the first five to ten minutes on uh, Saturday night, he's not with us yet. I turned to Mo- Simon. I was at the game with Simon Morowitz, and I said, the forward line's a mess. It's not functioning properly, and it didn't really function for the entire evening. Two things that, looking at the team on paper, that, will, that hopefully will fix, that the ball came far too easily out of, particularly in the second half, the ball just, Essen waltzed the ball out of the back line with ridiculous ease. So maybe having a sort of a pressure forward like Butler, not only his first game, but he'll bring some hopefully some defensive pressures. Luke Bruce, as much as we, we love and adore what he's done over a long period of time, defensively he doesn't offer what he used to. He's still great. If in, in the right situation offensively, he can still cut a team to pieces. Not sure defensively that uh, he offers a whole lot anymore. And secondly, Jack Gunton needs to be the third forward, and this is the first week for the season in which I mean, Gunton's been great. We'll get to his gawking in a sec, Brad. I know that you want to discuss this. But Jack needs to be the third forward. He's always played his best footy at Hawthorne when he's been the third forward. And he will be great in that role. He's still got that fitness, that tank to sort of roam up the ground, you know, to go collecting kicks as far as the wing or even even half back sometimes to go and get the ball and then do smart things with it. And to know that uh, there will be one or two taller options close to goal when he does that, I think he's going to make a big difference to Hawthorne as well. So uh, that's, for me... Yeah, I don't think they'll beat Richmond on, and we'll get our tips later. I don't think they'll beat Richmond on Saturday, but I am keen to see the work they get to do on the forward line. David Howe's a pretty smart guy, and what have they, what plans they've got with all their weapons available, to me, uh, should be exciting. Anyone? Yeah, I, I agree. And look, I know I just said a lot in a small space of time, but um, I think you nailed it. Um, with your comment on how quickly the Bombers transitioned out of um, out of our forward line and into their forward line on on the weekend, and um, and it was scary because we were pumping these long, high, not so deep forward fifty entries, um, but then standing standing there watching them break away and get beautiful entries up the other end. So we just need to make it a little bit harder for them to um, get their tra- tra- the Richmond transition game this weekend because guys like Daniel Rioli and Nathan Broad and Liam Baker and, and even like Camden McIntosh and Jaden Short, those guys are just going to have a field day if they get given the space and freedom to do what um, the Essendon under-18 VFL reserve side was able to do last Saturday night. The Gunston, the Gunston conversation is really interesting because he still had six shots at goal. So um, he, I actually thought, again, if we're talking about our WhatsApp group, it probably went, uh, my thoughts were a little bit different to the group in general. I actually thought he had a really good game, except for his kicking at goal. And, you know, he ends up with 4-2 or 5-1, and he probably should have with some of the shots that he had. 
we're talking about what an incredible role he played as that second forward instead of that third that we know he should be playing. So um, oh, oh, I think it's it's probably um, exasperated a little bit by the fact that he kicked zero three against the D's the week before. Um, but notwithstanding the fact that it's not he's not the Jack Gunston of the premiership years where you just knew he's the best person to have it in front of goals, that other than that, he, he actually had a decent enough game, in my opinion. It's a fair point, see. However, he is in the team to kick goals that he has been missing time and time again, not only uh, this season, even before his back at injury in the games he played, you know, the few games he has played in the last couple of years. As I mentioned on Saturday night in the group, and I've uh, picked up on it, the set shots on goal he misses, it is deflating when you've got such a young side. He's in the side as a leader, and I think his presence there is really good because we've got you know, quite a young side. But those are the misses that kill you as a young side, and they deflate you. And it happened... He missed, I think, was it the finals? The last time we were in the finals, also he missed, you know, some crucial goals. The one on Saturday night just before was at half time. was just a perfect example. It just kills you. And those are the goals that he has to kick. And as you mentioned, he kicked, yeah, against Melbourne. I'm pretty sure him, Bruce, even in the... Like, they, he's missing, I don't know what it is, because he's such a pro... And he did a segment on the broadcast before the game talking about his goal kicking, his technique. And it was really good. It was interesting. And, um, but I guess, it could, you know, he's not doesn't seem to be phased by pressure. So I don't know what he's, he is at the moment. So I think he, he must be close to 50-50 this year. I think he's something like 15-14 or 14-15 or something like that this year. And going back to his PCM winning year a couple of years ago, it was 60-40. So I think he kicked something, again, Off the, this is legitimately off the top of my head, something like 30 goals, 20 or some, something like that. So um, I, I don't think he's that far off. The, the last two weeks have just compounded it and, and maybe made it, made it a bit more, um, especially given the Essendon loss, have brought it to light a little bit more but again the fact that he's getting into those positions having so much of the ball actually having a presence and having the shots I think um, I think once he gets that radar back on we'll quickly be shifting the other way I think I think it's just a matter of the older that you get the louder the voices get sometimes and I think with Jack it's not he's not going to fix this issue doing you know, taking set shots after everyone goes home on the training field. It's its definitely a mental thing and it's kind of hard to battle through that. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I kind of feel for him a little bit because I don't know how you solve a problem like that. I'm not sure that um, he, he would necessarily be doing as much goalkeeping practice as he used to. They're only at the club a certain amount of time. And I reckon with the sports science conversation around Jack Gunson might be he's got to do a lot of stuff to manage his back. I reckon he'd be doing more massage and more Pilates and more that sort of stuff that you do to get his back in the condition of play. It was a pretty serious back injury he's coming off. He might have, you know, may have come close to ending his career at one stage. And maybe that's where the focus is now is getting on the park every week, whereas in the past it was, it was always getting in the park and you had the extra time to do the goal kicking practice. That's what I'm, I'm not sure about. But I know Jack reasonably well, you know, and he would be bitterly disappointed at uh, at his output with the goal kicking, you know, 
like to think he took extra steps this week to to try and rectify it. He's a bit of a pro. Certainly would have liked kicking like that against Essendon, uh, the team he, of his youth and the team of his family. So I think he would have put some work in this week and hopefully we'll see some results on Saturday. I think if he nails one early, um, it could be a good day for him. Let's hope he gets on the end of one early for the set shot and it's the start of something good. Let's move on to uh, – well, we had a, in our rundown, because Brad wrote the rundown this week, so you'd be no surprise that the next thing we can talk about is other senior players who continue to d- disappoint. Brad, who else is on your list? Luke Bruce is one of them. Big time him and Gunston were the two. Tommy Mitchell, as a leader of the club and one of our more senior players, was sick on the weekend and shouldn't have played. He obviously put his hands up to play. He had one possession in the last quarter. He had 14 possessions for the game and didn't get tagged. And he played his customary role, what he has been playing this year. He spends a lot of time forward, but he did have a lot of centre bounce appearances. So he was in the centre and just couldn't get into the game. He's had a a couple of really good games this year, but overall, I know he's had a change of uh, role, so it might be a bit difficult for him. But, you know, he was really disappointing. Sicily is captain. I think sometimes we forget James Sicily is 27. He's turning 28, um, you know, early next year. So he's considered a senior player. He was our captain. Ash touched on his set shot for goal, which was lazy and not of a leader. Uh, Impey, I know, still trying to get up to match fitness, but he's been arguably our most disappointing senior player this year. I know he's come back from an injury, but since he's come back, he's looked slow. Skills haven't been up to scratch. I think he's lucky to have hold, to have held his spot in the side. I might be wrong. Some might disagree with me, but I think he's been disappointing. I just can't think of one senior player this whole season who's been consistent for the whole year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's been our younger players in Newcomb and Scrimshaw and those type of guys, Dylan Moore, who have been our most consistent and best players this year. I want to throw two names at you for I want to get some progress uh, reports on how how you guys think they're going. Uh, and we welcome Morris to the conversation. Simon, how was football tonight? Uh, very good. I got um, three games in tonight, so I'm a bit stuffed. Um, and I'm just driving home. All right, we'll get to you shortly. Um, you can be involved in this next bit. Two players I want some general views on. I've got slight concerns. Denver Granger Barras and how he's tracking, and also Will Day, who's kick on the shank on the full. We all love Will Day. Uh, that shank on the full in the last quarter was almost as excusable as Sicily's set shot for goal. It really was a turning point in the game. Yeah, Will Day's drinking his own bath water since he's come back from his uh, injury. That was Had my WhatsApp dip- group message. Oh, did you? Well, he has been because he's been very disappointing. He's got the ball. It's good to see him out there. So we know his kids are going to be fine. Will Day is not an issue, so I wouldn't worry too much about him. He has been disappointing, but he is a future superstar. He'll be fine. Granger Barras, I think, is in the same boat. I think he's just still too uh, raw. He's playing bigger than he should be. I think he's actually been quite good this year. He's had good uh, moments. He has struggled in a couple of games. But as I've said, even since last year, I'm hoping he follows the same trajectory as uh, Wietering at Carlton. He reminds me of uh, Wietering when he first started. Very skinny, but you can just see the signs there. He reads the play really well. 
when he has the ball, his skills are quite strong. He doesn't get enough of the ball yet. He knows when to spoil and when to mark uh, the ball. So, Ash, in my opinion, for a change, Day and Granger Barras are a, not a worry for myself. Uh, Simon, you were with me Saturday night. Are your, what are your thoughts on how Will Day and Denver Granger Barras are going? Um, it's funny, that was the exact phrase that you used on, on the on the night about Will Day and bathwater. Yeah. Uh, I have a big concern about Will Day. I, I think he's, I mean, first on the scene, but he hasn't quite recovered. He's, he's spent more time injured than on the field um, since he came in, and that can really wreck a player. So I'd like to see him just get back to basics, maybe just play out in space um, and get a bit more... Um, sort of uncontested ball that can really let him uh, hit some targets and get some confidence back into his kicking because he's biting off sort of kind of risky plays. And there was that one right in front of us where he, he drew the man and walked himself into pressure. And I don't think he's a great pressure player and he could stand to maybe get a little bit looser. Um, Ranger Barras is a, is a curious one because you, you sort of, you don't notice defenders when they play well. But you'd like to not notice him. And I haven't really noticed that he's been particularly bad this year, but I've got much lower expectation for him because of the position he plays so hard. Um, it's very hard to stand out, particularly as a young player. So I think he stands to just focus on his role. I don't think he's doing anything other than this. Just focus on his role. Um, I'm sure he's in constant dialogue with Sam Mitchell and the backline coaches, um, and they'll, they'll know whether he's doing the basics right. And after that, you can start to put some of the dressing on. But um, definitely for him, just just keep betting down the basics. Danny. Danny, you got hands up? Did you want to say something? Yeah, yeah, I do. So I've got a fair bit to say about about, about both of this. I find, and look, I understand we, we're all entitled to different opinions, but the whole dr- Will Day drinking his own bathwater thing like knocked my socks off when it was said in the WhatsApp group and 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 Brad reiterating it now. I just think it takes time to get back up to speed after missing time from injury to AFL level. And he probably bit off a uh, bit more than he could chew with the kick or he made a mistake here or there. And he's had some errors that have been really bad errors. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making any excuses for him. This is a kid that's still like, what, played 20 games? Like, we can't have these expectations on him that he's never going to make a mistake or else we're setting him up for failure. And the same I'm going to want to say about Denver Granger Barras, this is a kid in his second year playing key position um, in a team that isn't great. So it's easy to come in. I think it's much easier to come in as a key position defender when you're in a Josh Gibka-style Richmond backline, which is a well-knitted unit with lots of consistency in a good team that's going going pretty well. Um, a new coach, a new defensive philosophy, uh, you, you know, you're being asked to take the second or the third best key key forward. I, I just think we're just, we're rushing to judge these guys when they just need 15 to 20 more games before we can say anything about how they're going. And, you know, I, I understand, like, that doesn't, we're in the media business this is what we do but um i've had people messaging me saying oh denver granger brass looks a bust I, I, how can you judge a key position tall within the first two years of his career i just don't understand it 
that was my point, Princey, with the, uh, the Wiedering uh, comparisons because that was exactly the same when Carlton took him. He was dropped numerous times. He spent a lot of time playing for their bland side in uh, the VFL, and he's now probably the best fullback in the game and has been the most consistent fullback probably for the last two and a half, three seasons. So Barras, as I said before, I've, you see signs, and he's done it a few times this season, that he's going to be absolutely fine. So he just needs to put on a bit of size. And probably, as uh, you say, once he plays 50 games and you know we build our structure and our guys get used to the game plan, I think he'll be absolutely fine. Uh, Day is also uh, very similar. He needs to get games into him, as Simon said, which is a worry because he seems to have one of those bodies at the moment because he is still quite raw and skinny. They can't hold up for the rigours of AFL footy at the moment. And a lot of the ball he does get is uh, uncontested. So he's the player that we eventually, in my opinion, need to go into the midfield to become our X factor, you know, six foot two, three plus player, like most teams have, to complement your Newcombs and those type of players. So he needs to get stronger in his body, which uh, he will. But yeah, I don't think they're a worry. Well, is he? Yeah, I'm 100% with Prinzi on the Will Day train here. I feel like not only has he actually gotten better with each game that he's played this year, that kick on the full was as bad a moment when your heart just drops because that's a chance for us to get the game back and open space and not under pressure. And then when you see that it's Will Day who you put trust and faith in, your heart drops. But he still went at 91% disposal efficiency. He actually had a very decent game. He's got the confidence where he's contesting. um, He's launching up into packs for marks. There was one incredible moment off the half-back line against the Bombers where he took the ball and got that run and carry back. I think... He's getting better this year with more confidence. And I think that um, the, the doubters are exceptionally harsh on him at this point. And the only other one, because we started this around the senior players side of things, um, totally agree with everything Brad said about everyone except for James Sicily. Sicily for mine, like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how he's the next captain of our football club, as in permanent captain. He, coming off the injury, I think he's been fantastic and consistent most of the season. And he, he's, he had the brain fade shooting for goal on the weekend, but he's top three in our best and fairest at the moment. Like, his actual... Um, first third of the season has been fantastic even more so when you consider that he wasn't playing all year last year so I think that's incredibly harsh on Sis. No, no, no. I agree with you uh, Wasiak, it was more just his performance as our captain, it was his first you know, chance to lead as captain and he was extremely disappointing, I think he's leading our best and fairest and I think before Saturday night he was probably, would have been in the 40 for the All-Australian squad so yeah, it was more just as a leader, you know, first time as a captain, and he probably will be our captain next season when Big Boy stands down at the end of the year. So, 
Yeah, maybe totally. I the... it wrongly, but no, Sicily, absolutely not. Like he's been our best player. Him and uh, Newcomb, as I said earlier, have been our two best players by a long way. Ivan, good evening. Good to have you with us once again. No problems. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ash. A uh, couple of things. I don't think we put our second best player is out, and I reckon CJ's our second best player. And I just think his ability to cover tall, small, and his change of direction off half back is something that we that we're missing terribly, and we're agonising over. Not fussed about Will Day and DJ DGB. They'll they'll be right. Like just give them time. They're like Prinzy said, they need another thirty games, and then we can cast judgment. But yeah, they'll be right at some point. Um, I think Butler's the best going to be the best of the draft. There's a massive call as that is. As you know, Josh Ward went at seven. I, re- I just reckon uh, Butler's got a bit of that X factor about him. Um, but uh, Prinzy, what do you reckon of this? Do you reckon coming up to mid-season draft? Do we put uh, do we put big boy on the IR list? We we might be putting big boy and Ned Reeves on the on the, on that list. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to make a call. You would think that they're going to make a call on them in the lead up to the mid season draft because if it opens up list spots, you give other people opportunities to um, do what John Newcomb did last year and earn himself a long term spot on the list. So. Um, yeah, I think I think I would I would be surprised if one out of at least one out of the two doesn't get put on the long term injury list. Oh, Ivan, thank you, mate. Uh, my my only comment on Denver going to Barris, I'm a bit worried that I've got no doubts he's going to be a good player. I'm a bit worried about his confidence levels at the moment because he's not getting a lot of the footy um, from a starvation corner almost a little bit. They're sort of putting him out, getting him out of harm's way. Just one day, he had that Sydney game where he displayed a bit of flair and, and got a bit of running carry going out of the back line. I just hope he's, I mean, he's such an effervescent, upbeat sort of player that I'm just, I'm just hoping his confidence levels are okay because they need him to, uh, you know, he's the he's future. They're going to build a back line around him eventually. David, always good to have you with us, mate. Uh, how are you going? I've been listening for 40 minutes about talking about everything, every player, who's done this, who's done that. <laughs> the one thing I believe we win two of the last three games if we have two Ruckman. We've played two Ruckman for one quarter and one game. And we get away with the Geelong game because they've never had a good Ruckman since Otten. We could have let him. Young Lynch has destroyed the opposition Ruckman in first quarters of the game. They played for the whole first quarter and he runs out of pace by, and admittedly the injury on Saturday, on Saturday night, but he runs for nearly 90% of the game and at seven games into his season or eight games into his career, you're asking him to run eight quarters. You were right at the start of the season, Ash. We needed that fourth Ruckman and I've got no doubt if we have four Ruckman or another Ruckman, say you kept Johnny Segler as the fourth Ruckman in the reserves, we win two of the last three games without a doubt. That game on Saturday night would have been over at three-quarter time if we had two Ruckman. It's a good no point. No doubt about it. No yeah. matter what else happened, Draper, as I said to a mate of mine, they're all raving about the four. You Blake said about the five Essendon plays. Take Draper and um, uh, six-metre six Peter out of that game, which is Lewis and Reeves. That's a different ball game altogether. And that's where we're missing two Ruckman if Matt... Pardon me, if Big Boy or Big Boy or Reeves have played, it's a different ball game. 
It's a good point Davey makes. I do agree with him. And as I said at the start of the year, I think Reeves has the potential to be a top five running in the AFL. And Lynch, I reckon, has shown enough signs to say he'll be a brilliant number two. But as we've seen, as Dave said, you know, he's only played a handful of games after half time, And the Sydney game was a perfect example. And on Saturday night when he was off and he runs out of legs, our midfield is so weak that without two Ruckman, we're just going to continue to struggle week in, week out. Like, you've got to feel sorry for him because this week he's coming up against Soldo and Nan Kervis, who are not superstars, but they are old school bash and crash. They're going to run Lynch off his feet. So it is a big problem. And Prinzi, hopefully in a few weeks' time, will have a few names who we're going to target because we absolutely will be taking a Ruckman in the mid-season draft. Is it about time Hawthorne started taking this position seriously? Because we just don't have a history of it. It's just a, we kind of build teams around other other parts of the game, and the ruck is always just a, a second thought, I think. And we just put kind of, with all due respect to the David Hales and Robbie Campbells and you know Johnny Seglers of the world, you know we we're not putting superstars in that position. Brent Renouf. Yeah, Brent Renouf. Actually bumped into Simon Taylor the yeah, other Simon night. Taylor. <laughs> so that happened, you know, happened, Darren. That's the thing. If, the, if you don't have the Ruckman, teams aren't getting rid of good Ruckman. So you've just got to find them. Develop. We've got one. I think we've got one in Edries. I think they've taken it seriously. They've spotted him a long time ago. He think he's the son of the CEO. They found him. They're going to bring him along. And uh, I think we'll be okay. We'll just wait a couple more years. And I've got no doubt he'll be a top five ruckman in the competition at some stage of his career, perhaps even a top two or three. I think he's going to be he's going to be really good. James, good evening. You've got a question for us. Uh, thanks, guys. It's um, uh, I was really interested in your uh, discussion earlier about uh, the defence um, and watching the game on Saturday night. It, it it really fell apart. Um, could I just make a comment about DGB? His role, they're making him um, play the most... Uh, what's the word? He, he's the most unrecognisable role in the defence. So him getting low uh, possessions and stuff like that, it's almost like... I feel they're almost like protecting him. Um Remember the game he played against GWS last year where he was a kamikaze and he, I think he eventually got... Um, got uh, his first game. Yeah, he got taken off with the concussion, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so I I think in a way they're um, protecting him. And look, I've, I've got no problem. I think he'll be a good player. But let's have a look at his body shape as well. He's about 196. He's long and he's lean. I don't think he's going to be the... Um, big key defender we need. My question to you guys is, not necessarily with our first draft pick this year, but should we be looking at, um, you know, getting in the big ball defender we need? Because uh, Hardigan's, uh, you know, can't get a game at the moment and Frost is not the answer in that position. Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I think the game's changed, though. Like, I think I think when Tom Hawkins retires, like, who are we, who are we putting a big gorilla defender on? Um, it's, you know, Daz, I, I don't well, think it's well, so much a gorilla who's defender. On, who's playing on um, uh, the Richmond um, Tom Lynch? Tom Lynch. Tom Lynch. Who's playing on him? Is it going to be... Um, yeah. 
Lynch will um, give up the hiding this week, unfortunately. Oh. And we're going to come up against uh, Hipwood the week after. We're lucky Danaher's not playing for Brisbane. But it's a very good point because good key position defenders are very hard to find, especially to draft in the first round, as Princey will probably you know tell you. But it's going to be interesting to see who we can get from another club in that role because that is like the you know like a ruckman and probably another midfielder. We need to fill that position because if Hardigan isn't getting picked this week to come up against a Richmond forward line of Lynch, Rewalt, and arresting Ruck, he ain't playing again for the rest of the year. Yeah. So they've got yeah, DGB but... who's locked into that position. He's playing undersized as is Frosty. I think Frosty's had a good year. But he's not a number one key defender. He's your number two or your number three. And there's no one on the list. The only options we really have would be sending Cozzy down back, which was which is what he was drafted as. But he's been really good as a forward. And Callow is another one who they could potentially play down back, but they just won't. So it is a big but hole in our list and an issue. I feel like there's something that we're missing here because... Like, why are we talking about going to another club for a hulking defender when Hardigan is there at the start of the year and the end of last year when we all put together our best 22s? We had Hardigan in it at full back. He's not totally old. What is he, 29? Maybe going on 30. So he's not totally over the hill. He's already on our list. So either, as Daz said, the game's evolving in a different direction or the powers that be have said, well, we're going to give DGB these games. And I totally agree with Brad. Like, he actually looks exactly like Weedering looked in the first couple of years. Like, they're carbon copy bodies of each other. So whether or not it's about getting games into him just to learn the craft and to be part of a defensive unit because he's the guy that they've identified to turn into that, that that's a long shot because you're, you're banking on maturity and body transformation and all of that sort of stuff. But Hardigan's there. I'm not sure why we're talking about finding someone from somewhere else. If we wanted to use a hulking defender... Hardigan's there and ready to use and has done that job pretty well for us. So I'm a bit puzzled by that key defender conversation. Can I take a stab at mm. trying to answer that, Weesey? Um, I, I think it's more about the journey we're on as a club now. And I think that that arc that we're on, Hardigan doesn't line up with that. I would not... I would not be keen on us going to get a 27, 28-year-old key defender from another club. I don't think that makes any sense. Um, regardless of the gaps in our list, I think we need to fill them with young young guys and let them develop. And we'll be in for a little bit of pain in the short term, but long term, that's going to set us up really well. Um, well, yeah, because I, 22 to 23 to 24-year-old key defenders that clubs are willing to let go don't they're not exist. There. They're not there. They're not there. No. And you're absolutely right. And I think we just need to grow our own and invest in them and allow them to grow and develop without putting these ridiculous pressures on these kids to be like in the All-Australian 40, 
15 games into their career. Um, there's going to be bumps in the road, and that's fine. And DGB will end up being a fantastic centre-half back. But I do think we probably need somebody with a body shape eventually will we'll grow into that body shape. Um, even if it's like a, a really tall Harris Andrews type style centre uh, fullback to complement who is more locked down. Because I think when you when the Hawks finally release Denver Granger Barras to play his normal game, he's going to be doing what Sicily does and flying for those marks. Right now, I think he's being asked just to focus on defending one-on-one with his defender. So, um, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't think... It, We'd be negligent if we're chasing um, uh, a, a 27, 28-year-old key defender just to fill a gap because we've got Hardigan there. I think they don't play Hardigan because I, I've got a feeling they don't want to have two key defenders in Frost and Hardigan who both can't A, kick a ball and B, make decisions under pressure. <laughs> Ash. You with us? Sorry. Uh, yeah, James, thank you for that. And um, thanks for your contribution. And you sparked a conversation that was uh, pretty fiery. So uh, good to have you on board. A couple more items to do with the Hawks before we finish up this evening. The free agents list has been released by the AFL. No surprise, James Sicily is Hawthorne's restricted free agent. Uh, in all likelihood, will uh, if the reports are true, will sign a... Long-term agreement with the club. Let's hope that Brad's not in the negotiating room with them because he may decide to get stuffed and go and play for Collingwood. Um, the, the unrestricted free agents, Jack Gunston, Kyle Hardigan, Daniel Howe, Ben McAvoy, Liam Shields, um, list manager Danny, who will be on that list next year? Uh, the only one I'm really, really wanting to see, obviously, is Sicily signed up and, and locked away fairly quickly. Um, everybody else, give or take. I think Gunston will probably play, come back and play again. Um, How can go. Um, I love Liam Shields, but I think it's time he probably hangs up the boots. And who was the other one? Uh, Hardigan and McAvoy. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for your service, gentlemen. You wouldn't get back and watch for 12 more months? No, I don't think... I think it's counterintuitive because I think if he's on the list, you've got to play him, right? And we need to be playing Lynch and Reeves. And Lynch has shown enough, and um, Dave was absolutely right. He's shown enough in first quarters where he's taken quality Ruckman to the cleaners and then run out of puff really quickly. Um, we know how talented Reeves is and the the potential ceiling he has. So those two need to be our first choices. Um, and I just don't see the point in playing somebody like McAvoy at Box Hill. Also in news of the Hawks, um, and I'll put this to our Northern Territory correspondent, uh, Hawthorne has extended an open invitation to four-time Premiership star Surioli to attend the Hawks game in Darwin. They're playing Gold Coast in a few weeks. Um he has been living in Northern Territory. It's disconnected with a large cohort of Hawthorne's Golden Era. Jeff Kennett made contact with him in Darwin. Reality's wife said they will not return to Hawthorne while Kennett remains in charge. I have been tapped with Cyril a couple of times. We're moving in the right direction, Kennett said. Uh, whether he will come to the game or not, it will be up to him at the time. Suffice to say, it will be a wonderful game. And Darwin's wonderful city, well, much we know. He has wished the club and me well on two occasions. Whether that leads him coming in a couple of weeks, I don't know. Um, 
Boise, what was the mood? What was the vibe in the Northern Territory? Yeah, it's interesting. So I believe they live in Alice now. So I was hoping that uh, that I'd catch a sighting while I was there. <laughs> but um, no, do you know what? One of our um, local Indigenous trekkers uh, spent a couple of hours talking footy with him on one of the days, and um, which was amazing. It was incredible hearing him talk about a whole range of topics. But uh, I mean, they all love Cyril. They all love... Um, any of the players playing at any of the clubs across the country. Um, I just kind of feel like if it's not going to be this year, it's uh, in a couple of weeks, it's coming. Um, I think it's kind of irrelevant quotes coming from Jeff in the media at the moment. It's clear that Sam has it and will continue to have it on his agenda to reconcile um, that relationship. Um, and I think... If, if again, if it's not in a couple of weeks, um, it'll happen once Jeff's gone over the next sort of 12 months. And hopefully when we're playing in, in Darwin next year, it'll be the opportunity to really celebrate um, Cyril coming back to the club. Well, I think, um, I don't think he'll turn, I, I think if he makes his peace with the club before the Darwin game, it's, he's more likely to go visit the team at the hotel than he is to be at the game. I think he, what he'll be most uncomfortable with is being at the game with all the cameras trained on him. So I think there's next to zero chance he'll beat the game, but he may, may well have reached out and caught up with uh, uh, Sam and a couple of his former teammates in the travelling party in the lead-up. I'm more worried. Uh, the thing I'm interested more about is next year's being the 10-year reunion of the 2013 Premiership team. That's the one that uh, you know we would like, people would love to see him back at. And this is the start of Three years of you know we've got three years of celebrating the three peak coming up uh, with the anniversaries and he was a big part of thirteen and even more so fourteen and fifteen so let's hope that it's patch up I think that's the more realistic timing than him being at the Darwin game in a couple of weeks if he turns up in two weeks it'd be wonderful not quite sure it is going to happen and Finally, seeing Adam Goods seeing Adam Goods at the yes. Sydney reunion um, which was just wonderful to see also sort of gives you that extra level of hope that it can be done in time for next year's. Mara, question for you. So when the Sydney Premiership team of 2012 walked into the Swans rooms before the game to wish them well, what do you think Buddy did? That's me, sorry? Yeah. What do you think Buddy did when the Sydney Swans 2012 Premiership team went to the rooms before the game last week to wish them well? I think he gave them a polite Handshake and then stepped aside. He was fantastic in that grand final. He nearly got he nearly got Hawthorne home with one of the great third quarters uh, we've ever seen. What a shame! Um, finally, uh, Hawthorne have signed two new players for the AFLW team: Eliza Shannon, Tegan Cunningham, um, who are both playing in the uh, for the VFLW team. I think uh, so. The team's slowly taking shape. I think the big names of other clubs. As we said before, the Hawks are being a bit cautious in terms of uh, not making any announcements until such time as there is a CBA, which is inching at a very slow pace. They want to start the season in uh, at the end of August. They want to get their skates on. And it looks like not a lot of progress is being made whatsoever. Before we finish up, let's quickly go around and get a tip and a thought about uh, Saturday, 4th on Home to Richmond at the MCG, 1.45pm start. I think this might be the game that most of us are actually all going to be at for the first time. Well, I hope so anyway. Uh, we see you'll be there, no doubt. 
in your regular seats. Uh, a margin and thought. Uh, definitely there, taking both the kids to this game. So it should be a ripper in terms of uh, enjoyment with them. Not so much on the field. I reckon we'll get done by seven to eight goals. Um, and I'm I'm comfortable with that as long as we show endeavour and we get the glimpses of um, of the game plan starting to harmonise more so than we did against the Bombers. So I reckon we'll get comfortably done. Darren? Um, Hawks by three. No, of course. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> the supreme optimist would love it. Uh, what are you looking forward to out of the game? Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Sam Butler. I watched that Box Hill game last week and I just thought he was absolutely electric. And I hope that actually um, releases Dylan Moore into the midfield a bit more um, to... Because uh, I thought he was he was terrific when he was playing behind the ball um, against who was it the uh, the demons. So yeah, I just Sam Butler's debut is, is very very exciting. Are you still married? <laughs> what? You spent Mother's Day watching the Box Hill game on TV. You, uh... <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we had an early brunch, so um, you know everyone had a nap. I kind of got a got a got a good three quarters in. Apparently, Hawthorne, apparently, Box Hill game, Danny's been moved to uh, a TV game now or something. Yeah, Channel 7 at 12 o'clock on Sunday. Right. So, when yeah. was it When was it supposed to be? Uh, I don't know. They just brought it forward. Or they just made it earlier. I think it's supposed so to be Saturday. Oh, maybe it is Saturday. Maybe I got my weeks wrong. No, it's Hang Sunday, on. but I think it was supposed to be the same time on Saturday. I think it was supposed to crash with the AFLW game. Lots of win-win to everybody. Uh, Brad, thoughts uh, for Saturday? Uh, what, what sort of pain are you expecting? Uh, a lot of pain. Uh, at best case, we lose each quarter by two goals, so that's an eight-goal loss. Oh, but gosh. I am looking forward to seeing a forward line of Lewis, Kaczynski, Gunston, Wingard, Butler, Bruce. So you put that forward line on paper, it's actually not too bad. The issue is, is they're going to have to kick 20 goals to have a chance of winning. So uh, that's going to be good to see. Uh, if we play the way we did, the, you know, the first four to five weeks of the season, and lose by seven or eight goals, it's not as the guys mentioned. It's not going to be uh, the end of the world. Hopefully, they can run out the four quarters this week because their team on paper this week actually looks reasonably balanced. So uh, yeah, it should be good to see. But yeah, we're not going to win this game, and I think the bookies at the moment have us only a nineteen and a half point underdog, which I think is way unders. So. We'll see what happens there if there are any late outs for Richmond. What would they know? Mara. My assessment is that the best case scenario being an eight-goal loss is the most Brad Klebanski thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, I actually think that we'll win. I think that um, we spoke about we spoke the same way after we got trounced by St Kilda and said, "Well, this is the end of the season. We knew this was coming," um, and we rocked up and beat Geelong the next week. Um, and I think that we'll bounce back pretty hard after what was a shattering loss. Um, and unfortunately, Richmond's going to get in the way, so I'm giving us an 18 point win. Danny, um, so this one's for Simon. Um, the The thought in my mind is that iconic Ralph Wiggum uh, gif. I'm in danger. That's that's what I think about this game. I'm actually, I'm a I'm a probably an optimist 
um, most of the time, but I'm, I'm leaning more towards the Brad Klebanski uh, eight-goal drubbing. Boo all of you. I reckon Hawthorne will lose only by 15 points or so. I think they'll be very, very competitive. Richmond have only beaten West Coast and Collingwood last fortnight who aren't between them aren't much chop. Yes, they've got 20 premiership players in their side, but uh, they're not the same they... Well, 19, actually, because Edward's not playing. They're not the team they used to be, and I think Hawthorne will bounce back very strongly and will give a really good account of themselves. And God forbid they should win, because we, what we didn't get to in the running sheet was some of the uh, outlandish remarks about Hawthorne. Media being true to form again in discussing in discussing Hawthorne. Um, we'll have to get back to that next week. That would surprise everybody. And leave them not much to talk about if Hawthorne wins. But we'll see. It should be good. Looking forward, as I said earlier, to seeing how the forward line comes together. That has been the spaces for this week, our longest one yet so far. As I said, we left a few things on the uh, on the cutting room floor tonight. There was a lot of stuff we could have spoken about that we'll get to over the next little while. So thank you to you, uh, Danny, for joining us. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Darren. Weesey, any housekeeping we should be aware of before we go? No, just make sure everyone uh, continues to follow us and shares and likes all of our stuff. Subscribe, as, as Ash mentioned. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the space next week. Is it nearly our first birthday? Uh, very close. Very close. End of May, I think. Yeah, End we're of getting May. very close to our first birthday. Uh, we'll have to do something special for our birthday. Yeah, maybe it, it might coincide with the buy round. Maybe we can do a in uh, in person. Yeah, we want to do an in person thing at some stage. We're trying to work out how we'll make it work. It uh, keep uh, keep posted. We, we're going to try and do something where we can all actually get together and catch up with the flesh. It'd be great to see as many of you as possible. So keep looking at Hawks Insiders for that. Thank you very much for your support of, of what we do. As always, hopefully see as many of you as possible at the footy on Saturday and. Uh, Look out for our post-game review podcast, probably dropping sometime on Monday morning. Have a good rest of the week, everyone, and a great weekend. Talk to you again next week on the Hawks Insiders Safe Space. Good night.